You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I want to talk to you this morning, uh, if you're looking for, if you're taking notes and looking for a title, I call this Intentional Faith. I want to talk to you about, out of some things that happened while I was up there. I was up uh, in Montana for a week with uh, my brother, uh, stayed a little longer than I'd wanted to, but we were working on uh, one of my bikes and one of his bikes, but primarily I went up there to get some kind of deeper engine work that I don't dare touch. Um, were done on one of my bikes. And so it was a good time. We always have a real uh, good time together. And of course, he's a believer and we have a lot of really good talks. But there were some things that occurred that I want to share with you and some some things that came out of it, some conversations concerning faith. And on the way back, I felt like, you know, driving across Wyoming, God has lots of time to talk to you. Um, I felt like the Lord really put some specifics on my heart for today. So we're just going to uh, dig into this today. And I want to begin there in, in Luke chapter 6 uh, with about verse 46. These are very familiar verses. You may read them more in Matthew's account, but they're very familiar verses to all of us. So I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. I think this is the, the new Amplified Bible, not the real Amplified Bible that came out in 1987. But... Um, So Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46, Jesus speaking. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a farsighted, practical, and sensible man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock, and when a flood occurred, the, tor- the torrent burst against that house, yet could not shake it, because it had been securely built and founded on the rock. But the one who has merely heard, but not practiced what I say, is like a foolish man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. Sounds like something I would do. And the torrent burst against it, and it immediately collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So bottom line, Jesus is saying this. He's saying we can take all of the practical, logical steps in life and and or precautions in life. We can do the right things, and that's important. That's, That's a part of godly wisdom. But we can do all of that. But if we are not building our lives, I love that terminology, we are building our lives. And, and if we're not building our lives on the foundation of relationship with him, his word and his words to us, his instruction, his direction, his discipling, his ongoing walking with us, if we're not building on those things, if we're not purposely uh, building our lives upon the word of God and, and our relationship with him, then we are building a life that is vulnerable to collapse. All right, we are, and, and I want to emphasize, in this, in this passage, he talks about a couple of groups of people. I'm going to add one, okay? But he talks about believers, people who have a relationship with him and are actively building their life upon, it, it, look at what it says. He says, he who, three things, comes to me, 
That's something we need to do. Come to him. He's made all the provision. Let's get that straight from the beginning. He, through what he did at the cross and through the outpouring of his grace, he's made provision for everything, every area of our life and whatever he calls us to be and to do. All right, the provision is there. But he says, the one who comes to me, so that's something we do, listens to my word. And that word listen means to hear with the intent to obey or apply. All right, listens to my words and obeys them. Some of your translations say applies them. All right, the person who does that is building on this solid foundation. They're, what they, the life that they are building is attached to something immovable. Okay, so he talks about, that's what I will, I will call believers. Okay, then we have unbelievers. We have people who don't believe maybe don't even know, but a lot that just reject in our society. A lot of people reject the idea of God, reject the idea certainly of Jesus being God, reject the Bible, that kind of thing. And for whatever level, whether they just don't know about it, they've never experienced it, or whether they openly reject it, you have that category of believers, or of people, believers and unbelievers. And uh, and then the third category is, and and I'm adding this, is unbelieving believers. Okay, And what I mean by that, I don't mean that to be real critical. It's just that there are a lot of Christians out there who have, when they talk about their faith or use the word faith, they're talking about an overarching broad category of faith for salvation. It means to them, and again, I'm not being critical. This is just the way it is. And this is going to be important later in this talk. What they mean by that is, I have accepted Jesus as my Savior, and, and I expect, I trust, I'm going to go to heaven at the end of my life. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just not all there is to faith. And so sometimes when we get talking to somebody about a specific faith, an intentional faith, a faith that can do, faith, can do, faith does two things, all right? Romans 5 tells us that we all, because of what Jesus did, we stand in grace, we stand in, a, in an environment of grace. Grace is what he has poured out. It is the free gift of all things that he purchased at the cross. It is an empowering of our lives to be and to do what we could never do on our own. It, the scripture tells us we stand in that. We live in that. That is our environment. All right. But those same scriptures in Romans chapter 5 say that faith accesses that grace. So faith is how we access, take hold of, take, take into our life what has already been provided. Does that make sense to you? So that's one thing that faith does. The other thing that faith does, the Bible tells us, we'll look at it in a little while, it, it acts as a shield. And so it, it acts as a shield that can stop thoughts that the enemy would send that come into our life that are contrary to what the Word of God says. So, so faith has all those roles. So it's... So it's not just something that is about, I, I put my trust in Jesus one day, and when I die, I'll go to heaven. There's a very active, very specific, very purposeful, intentional, I, I've been thinking of it this week as a targeted or targetable faith 
that, that reaches into specific promises for specific needs that we have. It reaches into specific parts of that broad grace that's been poured out for us and accesses it and pulls those things into our life. Or it defends against specific attacks, specific things that are sent to tear down our trust in God. All right? And so, so there are these three categories of people and we live with all of them and we minister to all of them and, and we want to be good at that. So we need to understand where people are coming from when they use uh, this term faith. Um, he, I love the way he starts this. He says, I, I like this kind of thing because it challenges me. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? You don't apply what I tell you. And, and, I've felt that way in my own life in in dealing with certain situations. It's like, why? And I don't know if I should even say this. I think you guys know my heart well enough. I get curious about people and and how people live and how they how they think about things and how they process things. And and so sometimes I have run into situations where a person says that Jesus is Lord, but their life is totally contradictory to what he actually said and taught. And I do. I don't get mad. I don't get haughty. I don't get any of that. I get curious. It's like, so why do you say Jesus is Lord if you really don't receive anything that he says to you? And Jesus, sweet Jesus, asked this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't put into practice what I teach? You know. And then he goes in and he says, look, for the person who does this, comes to me, listens to my words, and applies them, he makes a very clear point in these verses. Everybody, believers, unbelievers, unbelieving believers, we all experience the exact same storms in life. Okay, one of the conversations I had a couple weeks ago with, with my brother was about he made a statement as we were talking about some things I'll share with you in a little bit. He made a statement about, well, I don't think that just because I'm a Christian, bad things aren't going to happen in my life. Because I was talking to him about faith and about deflecting some of the thoughts that he was receiving. And he said, well, I don't think that, you know, nothing bad's going to come into my life. And I said, you got it. That's right. Bad things are going to happen because you're on planet Earth. God's not sending them. God has provided everything you need to not get sucked in by them. But yeah, storms, Jesus said, storms come against every life. The difference is the outcome. The difference, there's two things really. If we are this first category of people, we're listening to him, we're pursuing him. We're receiving from what he's given to us. We are listening to his words, knowing that this is a person who loves us more fully than anyone else I've ever known or will ever know. There is no love like his love. He cares about me deeply. He has my best at heart, which isn't always what I think is my best, but it is my best. He has great thoughts and plans toward me. We know all these things. So in knowing that, I want to know what he's saying, and I want to know what he's saying so I can apply it, so I can live in it not just to know more about Jesus so that I can live in his words, okay? If we live like that, there are two differences. One is the final outcome. The one house doesn't collapse and the other one does. 
The second one that we've certainly probably all experienced is the way we go through that storm. We don't have to go through the storm in fear and terror and, and hopelessness and discouragement and all of that. We can stand strong as we go through the stuff that the world and the devil throw at us. And it's just, we live in a fallen planet. We, it isn't perfect. We aren't in heaven yet, okay? We have a wonderful God, but stuff happens. I mean, it happens to all of us. And things are thrown against us. Thoughts come, different things. You know, we all experience things that we know are not God's will for us, but we're on this earth, and so we go through them. We can go through those things without losing our faith, without losing our hope, without making up dumb doctrines about God and who he is and decide that, you know, he just put this in my life, even though it's not at all what we learn from the word, you know, and, and we can go through without all of that and we can come out strong and solid on the other end. Does that make sense to you? All right, so that's, so that's what he's telling us. But I love that he compares what we're doing, living our lives. He says we're building. He says this person, this is activity. This is action. This is purposeful. This is responsible. This is taking something. When you are building a house, you are gathering materials. You are shaping those materials. You are putting those together. You have a plan. There's a design to a house. We are, in this case, digging down, digging the junk out of the way and getting down to the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And we are building our lives on his principles. We are taking what we hear from him and what we see in his word, and we are asking, we are saying, how do I apply this to my job? How do I apply this to my relationship with my wife, to my children, the way I interact with other people, my role in the community, my citizenship, my every aspect of living, all of my relationships. Lord, how do I apply this? I want to, I am coming and I am digging. I am, I am working to receive and to build into my existence everything that you have provided, right? It's active, it's personal, it's purposeful, it's intentional living. And that's the terminology he used. And whereas uh, somebody else is just building something on the ground. I mean, they're just, they're built there, but they're still building a life. One of them is totally susceptible to the storms of life totally susceptible to ruin. The other one is not. And that still doesn't mean that we're not saying everything will be perfect and rosy and you'll never have a challenge. No, the opposite is true. It's just you will be equipped for the challenge. That makes sense to you, okay? So everybody's going to experience the storms, all right? So when we talk about targeted faith or the things we're going to say, we're not saying nothing bad's going to come into your life. We're saying there's a solution to this. So it tells us here that the wisdom of God, which is practical application, wisdom means the practical application, the practical practice of truth, all right? Not just good ideas, truth. What God has said, who God is, his way of living, it's the practical application of that. So he said in, the, in those verses, uh, the Amplified brings this out, that God's wisdom is far-sighted. All right, so as we're, as we're digging into him, he's going to give us wisdom for life. It's far-sighted. It is not living just reactively to everything that happens. You know, I've used this example with you for years and years and years, and you're out mountain biking, same thing's true on a motorcycle, same thing's true in your car, uh, 
I won't get off on that. Um, no, I'm not going there. Um, I know that's not God, that's just my flesh wanting to say some things about drivers, and I don't need to do that. So um, when you're riding a mountain bike down a trail, you know, we've learned for years and years and years, you need to look where you want to go, not look at the obstacle that's coming. And if you focus right in front of your front wheel, you'll just keep hitting rocks and roots and ruts and every single thing that comes along, and you'll crash a lot more. Because there's no anticipation. There's no looking up the trail. There's no, and whereas if you look up the trail, you will automatically, without even trying, you will, you will go where you look. You'll, you'll avoid obstacles. You'll go along and you're looking up the trail. And it's the same thing. With the wisdom of God is not just reactive. It's not just, oh, this happened, so I got to pray against the devil over here. And then this happened and, oh, you know, and, and it's this, God is something better than that. It's farsighted. It looks up. Here, here, the wisdom of God always sows into the future. It always sows to the future that God is desiring and designing and bringing. It, it doesn't live just for what, what's the harvest today. It's sowing for a future that isn't here yet. God's wisdom does that. It's, far, it's farsighted, okay? Um, it's practical. He said farsighted. He said practical. That means it can be practiced. It can be applied. It's practical, the word that you hear, the word that God speaks to you can actually be applied to life. It isn't just to make us feel good for an hour on Sunday morning. It isn't just good, you know, to make us feel fuzzy at different times when we're discouraged. It'll do that, but that's not the main purpose. It's taking what the Lord is saying, trusting, that's faith, that this is the best way to live and asking him, show me how to actually live that. And Holy Spirit, please, Show me, because he'll lead you in these things. He'll deal with one area of your life and another area of your life, another area of your life. And as you go along, it's like, oh, yeah, I see that. I've been, I've been holding that attitude or I've been doing that or, you know, I've been reacting to things that way. Holy Spirit, nudge me, show me, tell me when I start moving back into that. And he'll do it. He's just, he's a great discipler. Surprise, surprise. So it's farsighted, it's practical, and it says it's sensible, did you see that back in the, in the verse? I know you, I don't have it on the screen for you. He says the person that's, uh, here's what he's like. He says the person that comes to me, listens to my words, obeys them. Here's what he's like. He's like a farsighted, practical, sensible person that's building a house. So it, it says that the wisdom of God, what God gives us, it's sensible, okay? Applying the principles of Scripture is always the sensible thing to do, even though many times our senses don't like it right then. Our emotions don't like it right then. Many times it doesn't feel real sensible. Okay, Not all the time, but it is sensible from God's perspective. He designed life to work a certain way. And when we apply his principles, it's the sensible thing to do. Even if, I don't care what all your friends say. I don't care what, you know, what's going on, what, what, who's not going to like it. This is a sensible thing for me to do, is apply the word of God, apply my relationship with Christ, whether my emotions like it or not, whatever, okay? So here's what, as, and I'll share how this all got started in a few minutes after we read a couple more scriptures, but in one of the discussions with my brother, I just really shared with him that, okay, you've been doing all the practical things in this one area of your life. You've been doing things that are just sensible for you to do in your situation. But a part of practical living and a part of 
godly, practical, wise living is building the spiritual foundation. We need to be intentionally building our faith toward God, toward his promises. That is part of practical living. It's not just about, so, okay, I want to be healthy, so I'm going to eat better. Well, that's a great thing to do. You know, I'm going to get off sugar. It's a great thing to do. Those are all good things, the different things that we do. I'm going to exercise more. It's a great thing to do. But also, also build your faith about the, the, the specific promises that talk to you about God's will for your health and healing. The Bible's full of promises about that. Jesus took sickness and disease to the cross. If we are not intentionally, remember the word, building that, and I'm just using one example, that piece of intentional faith into our lives, then those two things we talked about, accessing that part of grace and a shield that comes up when, you, when the devil's trying to lie to you about your health or send something against you that if you take it in, if you give it permission to stay, it will make you sick. If you're not building the spiritual part, you are not fully living in the wisdom of God in a practical, sensible way. Does this make sense to you? Okay. Because there are lots of people, the people I was dealing with up there, they're believers. They love God. They love Jesus. But they've never been taught about practical faith. You know, intentional, targeted faith. Okay? So, let me just give you these words real quick and then we got to move on. Um, so, Jesus said that when storms come, he said they're going to come against both. But it's the exact same language. Both lives are going to experience storms. Okay? He said when that happened, a torrent burst against the house. What those words mean, the, I think the King James Version says uh, the flood came and beat vehemently against the house. It's a Greek word that means it describes a continual and repetitive beating of waves against something. Continual and repetitive. So this is when something comes into your life and it hits again and again and again and again. It beats on, it beats on your life, your house, what you are, you are building. And it says that for the person who built their life on him, it said when that torrent burst against it, when those waves came and beat against it over and over and over, it, it said it, that the waves could not shake it. The, the literal Greek there says those waves beating on it again and again and again could not make it waver. So, you know, we know the Bible says other things about wavering. We look to one thing, and then we look to another. We hear this voice, and then we hear that voice. We're not sure what to believe. We're not sure where to go. Jesus said, when you're doing this solid building on this solid foundation, those things are going to hit your life. They will not make you waver. All right? And, and the other part of that term is that it causes something to vibrate. So think about that. Even in the houses that we live in that are good houses, when, you know, uh, an airplane takes off or there's a, uh, an explosion. Do we have explosions? Anyway, and there's, all, you know, all the windows vibrate and stuff. He says when you're built on that foundation, those waves can't even make you, can't even make you vibrate, let alone waver. Isn't that a good, that's just a great promise. And it said, uh, it says for the, the unbeliever or, or the unbelieving believer, you know, the person who's not building on that, um, he said that their life would fall 
and the crash of it would be great. He talked about, he used the word ruin. And that word ruin means something that gets broken from outward forces beating against it. All right, Something that becomes broken. He said that house is going to fall into ruin. That life is going to fall into ruin. It's going to be broken by those outward forces. And again, I'll just throw this in, one of my little pet peeves. So here's one of the places where we know from the scripture, brokenness itself is not a sign of Holy Spirit activity, okay? Recovery from brokenness, we all have some brokenness. We come, we, we bring that to Jesus. Recovery from brokenness is a sign that God's active in that situation. There are a lot of believers wandering around and it's their, they're real proud of their brokenness and God bless them, but that's not the sign that God's working in your life. The sign that God's working in your life is that that brokenness gets fixed. So he said that, he said that house would be ruined and the literal text means it will fall. That life will fall from a higher place to a lower place. It'll go backwards. Things will get worse in that life. And then he says, and great will be the fall of it. And it's, a, it's an expression of a magnitude uh, that when, when your life falls or my life falls, it brings other lives down with it. You know, sometimes we've seen in cities where a building collapses, it takes other, others down with it, Right. That's what he's talking about. There's a magnitude to your life that not all of us realize. Sometimes we feel like, oh, we're just all alone and we're not affecting anything. Now, when your life or an area of your life falls into ruin because it's not built on the word and on Christ, it affects others. It doesn't just take you down. You're important. You know, your life is important. Your life is important to God. Your influence, every one of us have a sphere of influence. And the Lord wants it to be a strong place for other people to come to, okay? So he says all this. I want to jump to some other verses over in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, these are all really familiar verses to you. And we're just going to look. We don't have time to go through most of this. I just want to uh, look at a couple of verses in Ephesians 6. I want to begin in verse 10. Most of us know these as verses about spiritual warfare, Um, But I'm going to begin in verse 10 again from the Amplified Bible. Paul's saying here, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. I love that instruction. Be strong in the Lord. That means I wouldn't get that instruction from the Holy Spirit if I couldn't be strong in the Lord, right? The Amplified Bible says, be empowered through your union with him. Be empowered. When we spend time with the Lord... And we spend time in his presence and in his word, whether we're in worship or in the word, we're in our devotional time. The result should be that we draw his strength into us. If we spend a bunch of time with God and we come out unchanged, we didn't spend time with God. We probably spent time complaining. We spent time just going. And and listen, I know how it is. When you've really got something going on in your life and you go in and the Lord starts to draw you out of just talking about whatever the problem is, he does that with me. I don't want to talk about the problem. I'm so not worried about that problem. I just want to enjoy you, kid. You know, sometimes it's like, but can't we talk about the problem a little bit? But, you know, he tries to draw you out of that place. And just into his presence. Well, when we have those times in his presence, we should become stronger. It tells us to draw, to be empowered through our union with him. And then it says, draw your strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. And then it talks to us about put on the whole armor of God. 
the armor of a heavily armed soldier, which God supplies. Why? That you may be able successfully to stand up against, get these two words, all the strategies and deceits of the devil. The devil has always worked the same way. Not everything that happens in our life is the devil. Lots of it isn't. But the devil does work the same way. He works through sending thoughts that are contrary to the word of God into our life. This is what he does. So an event happens in your life or a report comes to you or something, you know, something happens and right behind that comes a thought of, of your destruction or of your ineptitude or your inability or your nobody loves you or, you know, I mean, think of the lie that the devil tries to sell to us over and over that, that God loves a lot of other people, but he's ashamed of me. That is a wicked, horrible lie that is totally contrary to what we know from the scripture. But he will send it and he will send it and he will send it right behind a little rejection you experience in life or you make a mistake or something like, again, this is just one example. He will shoot that lie into your life. And when we start thinking on that, we give it permission to start to work in our hearts and put down roots and produce fruit that God never intended, bad fruit from our life, no matter what that lie is. So he says, here's my intention for the church, is that you be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and all the deceits, the lies of the devil. That's his uh, that's his will for us. Not that we be constantly crushed. Not that we be constantly fighting the devil, honestly. A lot of us are way too devil focused. But when one of those lies comes in, he's given us something to do with it. So jump down, if you're with me in Ephesians 6, jump down to verse 16. All right, it says, get this, this is an instruction. It says, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, above all, above every other voice, above my experiences, above what just happened to me, above what somebody said to me, above the rumor or the report that I heard, above what they're saying on the news, okay? You lift up this shield of faith. Well, faith has to have been built in your heart first. And faith, as we know, comes from intimacy with God. It comes, the Bible says, by hearing and hearing and having a conversation with God, living in a conversation with God. That builds faith. Well, that faith, but notice it doesn't say when something comes against you, Jesus is going to, good Jesus is going to jump in front of you with his shield and stop that flaming arrow. Doesn't say that. It says you lift up the shield of faith. Now, I will say many times when some thought gets fired into your life, some flaming arrow gets fired into your life, which is a thought that is contradictory to the word and purposes of God, all right? When that gets fired into your life, the Holy Spirit does live in us and he will bring up the scripture. He will bring up the word. He will bring up what God has said to you. He will bring up your testimony of where God dealt with this before in my life or somebody else's life. He will raise that, but you have to be a part of that. We have to 
we have to let that shield rise up and quench that dart. If we keep, you know, pulling them out, well, I want to look at it. You know, I want to spend some time with this dart. No, we want the thing extinguished. You know, when I was a kid, it's such a great picture, fiery darts, you know, fiery arrows. When I was a kid, we all watched Westerns. You know, you guys probably grew up on something else, but we watched the Westerns. And so there was always the wagon train with the little family. And, and you know, the Indians would come down and begin to attack and they'd circle the wagons. And, and, you know, somehow these Indians would apparently stop and build a fire somewhere because they always had flaming arrows. It's like, where'd they get the flaming arrows? You know, but yeah, it's Hollywood. So, so they'd ride around, they'd shoot these flaming arrows into they'd whack into the wagon and, and it would catch the canvas on fire and people would be jumping out, you know, all this stuff. Or maybe maybe we can think on Lord of the Rings or something, you know, flaming arrows coming in. A flaming arrow carries something, right? Something destructive. It carries something. And this is the illustration the Holy Spirit used. when, When the devil throws deceits into our life, maybe you hear about something. How many of you? You probably won't tell me. When COVID started way back in 2020, COVID started, and everything was saying, well, the first, first sign of that is a sore throat. How many of you went, mm. <laughs> you know? And, and it's like, oh, maybe I have a little sore throat, you know? That's a fiery dart that needs to be extinguished. When, when somebody does something or says something, and, and you think, oh, they must really not like me. They must really on this, or, or you know, whatever it is. Or, or we, hear about, we hear about real things, it's really hard to find a place to live in the Gunnison Valley that you can afford. Okay, that is a natural reality. It is. We can pray against that. We want to see that changed, okay? But that's a natural reality. But behind that, over the top of that, comes the flaming arrows that says, you're going to end up on the street. You are going to end up. What does God say? I will provide for all of your needs through my riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus, right? His commitment to us is there. Things happen and, and in comes the thought. The shield of faith will extinguish that thought. And it's extremely important that we do that. You know, those, those again, those flaming arrows carried something that spread destruction. And if you let those thoughts, and it is up to you, if you let those thoughts come into your mind and lodge in your heart, they'll produce something bad. They'll produce whatever it is they are carrying if you begin to think on those and meditate on those. But, you know, we've said it over and over. Satan doesn't have any power against you that you don't let him have, that you don't believe his lies. And he works, he's always worked the same way. 2 Corinthians, last passage we'll look at, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses uh, 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, right? We live on the earth. We are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. We're not just using uh, a men- even, a, even a mental or intellectual um, defense against those thoughts. 
We are, let me read the rest of this, okay, before I get off on that. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, which speaks of places where the devil's eyes have built a castle in our life and he's occupying it and running part of our life from it. That's what fortresses or strongholds are. It says, we are, I love this, get this, we are destroying sophisticated arguments. We get sophisticated arguments thrown at us all the time that are contrary. Oh, well, you're just not believing the science. No, I love science. Science is how people discover what God made. And we dig really good things out of science that really help us because we figure out, oh, God did, this works this way. These chemicals work this way. That's really helpful. I love that. But the sophisticated arguments, those are arrogant arguments. Those are, oh, you're you're just a stupid little Christian. You really can't understand this. Those are those arguments. Those are those demeaning, well, you believe in God, well, get with it. That's those arguments. They're sophisticated. They're they're above your head, okay? Says that uh, we destroy sophisticated arguments and every, get it, exalted and proud thing. Anything that disagrees with what God has said is proud, Okay, let's just say it. It's proud, all right? That set itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean in a practical way? That means when that flaming arrow comes in, what I know and trust in God rises up and it will extinguish that arrow. I will practically recognize that thought That didn't come from God. That is not what he has said. That is not his character. That is not who he is. I take that thought captive in the name of Jesus. I cast it down. And this is so important. I replace it with what God said. I think on what God said. It's not enough to just say, I'm not going to think that. It's not enough to live in denial and say, oh, you know, I'm just not going to think. That's not the point. That doesn't extinguish it. That just, I don't know what that does, but it doesn't extinguish it. And so we need to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient. This is what God has said. This is who my God is. That's wrestling, okay? It's not easy. It's wrestling. But if we do it, those thoughts will not have the opportunity to to build their junk in our lives and to throw, keep us living in Fear and and just garbage, okay? Just living in garbage. So let me say this, and then I'm going to just tell you this story will be done. Your shield of faith in your life is made out of the material of the revelations that God has given you of himself and of his word. That shield that rises up as God teaches us about who he is and we spend that interactive time with him faith is created in our lives and so where you've had a victory with the lord he's shown you this about his himself and his life and his will for you that becomes it's a part of the material that becomes your shield of faith annie has a great revelation that I would really love to judge fits perfectly right here about flaming arrows. I'm not going to do it. I told her last week, I won't do it, but boy, it's hard. 
And so you'll have to come back in a couple of weeks when she teaches on that. But, uh, but, but that, you know, God builds things specifically into our life for what we, from what we have experienced and for what we will experience. He's so faithful to do it. We just have to be aware of these things. So let me, uh, let me tell you how this all got started. We've got a few minutes left here. So I'm going to use a COVID uh, example here. So let me put this out there. I don't care what you think about, about COVID or masks or, or you know, I, I don't care where you are in that whole spectrum politically or anything else. We have, a, and I think it's a wonderful thing in RMCM. We have a wide variety of opinions and, and political opinions and everything. We all come together to worship Jesus. I think that's a healthy church. But anyway, just get the principles that I'm talking about here. Whether you agree with what I'm about to say or what people said to me, it doesn't matter. Let's get the principles. So, I was up there with my brother. My brother has been what I would consider extremely cautious for the last 18, 20 months, whatever it is now, about COVID. Partly because he has uh, some issues in his own body that he's a little bit compromised. His girlfriend has more issues in her body where it'd be pretty bad for her to uh, get sick with that. Her 92-year-old mother lives with her, so a lot of her precaution has been for her mother's sake. And then her brother, who also lives up there, and they interact a lot, is very compromised in his lungs. It's really bad for him to get any type of uh, problem in his lungs. So they have been what I would consider extremely cautious. They've done the masks, they've done the distancing, they've been real careful about their groceries and the whole deal. It's been a big deal in their life. Okay, again, whatever you think of that, doesn't matter. That's been their life. And they are Christians, but this has been their life. And uh, so when we were up there, he goes to these, uh, there are two different places that he goes for to get a senior lunch, you know, and it's four bucks and you get this whole thing of food. And, and so he goes to these two different places. Well, those have been shut down. Uh, in Montana for years and years. They just opened up again a few years, a few weeks ago. And uh, they've just started letting people come inside to eat. He's just been picking up to-go boxes. And he's still been really cautious. He just started getting these lunches again just recently. And that was kind of a, you know, that was a deal. He's not wearing a mask everywhere. I mean, he's just at that stage in all of this. And it's out of caution. So uh, so we went this one day down to pick up these lunches. And at this place, they always make a Bob box. Everybody loves Bob. He's just, he's kind of a, you know, he's a very generous, charismatic guy and everybody loves him. It's kind of sickening. So anyway, they make a, they make a Bob box and they put, this guy puts about twice as much in Bob's box and he punches, uh, and this is one of those styrofoam containers, he punches a little bee in there for Bob. And, uh, and I just get whatever is left over. So, so we went down there to get that. We were working in the shop. We weren't going to stay there anyway. We didn't have time. But we went down to get it. And he's been just going up on the porch. And this guy, Don, comes out and gives him his stuff. He doesn't go in with, with the people. There aren't very many sitting in there yet anyway. And these are mostly older people. Um, older than me, probably. Um, <laughs> But anyway, we went in there. I stayed in the car. He went in. Well, pretty soon, a couple minutes later, he was not out yet. And uh, so I thought, well, they didn't meet him on the porch. I'll go in. I know some of these people. And we went in, and they'd forgotten to make the Bob box. So this guy, Don, was in the kitchen making this up, and Bob was in there talking to him. And, and I went into the kitchen and said hi. And, you know, this guy was, it was a pretty good-sized kitchen. And he was on the other side of this counter. And, 
And so he made up the bob box. He gave us a bunch of garlic, extra garlic bread that was really good. And, uh, and we took our stuff and we left. And that's all there was to it. So we went back to the shop. We worked that day. That was a Thursday. Then Friday afternoon, uh, his girlfriend, Vicky had gone into Billings. And so he had her pick up some groceries and she brought them to the house. And, and they came into the shop because we were still working on stuff. And, um, and they came in and, you know, they talked, she and her sister for a little bit. They'd left mom in the car and I made sure that they'd left the windows cracked for mom out there. But anyway, uh, yeah, so they left. Um, so they came in, you know, he and, he and Vicky had a little kiss, you know, and they didn't make out in the corner or anything, but you know, a little kiss and they left. And so that was Friday. So Friday evening, we get a text from Don that he's just tested positive for COVID. Okay. I didn't think that much of it. We weren't even, you know, so we had been exposed. And so we were supposed to, you know, quarantine for five days, which wasn't hard because we weren't around anybody. But, you know, so Vicky had been in there. She'd gone home with her mom. For them, this was a big deal because they had been thinking about this in those terms and taking all of the practical, natural precautions that they could take this whole time. And suddenly they just let down a little and suddenly they're exposed, okay? For me, we started this whole thing in a big meeting, really powerful meeting. We've felt so protected the whole time. It was just no big deal. It was a big deal for them. And it was because the flaming arrows started as soon as they knew they'd had the experience. Vicky in particular was very, very upset. Bob was upset. He was kind of angry. <laughs> she was devastated. You know, you'd have thought we'd, I shouldn't say that. Um, she's a sweet lady, but she was pretty scared. And, you know, it, to me, it was like, number one, it was a tiny exposure. Number two, we have the word of God, you know? And so we started talking about that the next day. Actually, I couldn't talk to him that night. What I did that night is I went in to my room and I thought, well, you know, God gave us promises at the beginning of this whole thing. We've felt absolutely confident about it. I just, it was just no big deal. But I thought I should go back to the Psalm 91 verses and the stuff and what he said to us in this meeting and just stir that up again. And I did. And what that led me to was realizing that not only does it say, you know, that this plague will not come near, near my dwelling. Well, you know what, devil? Right now, my brother's house is my dwelling. This is my dwelling, but this house is my dwelling. And where Vicky lives is my dwelling. And I just started to release that over them and just pray for their, to them to be confident, for those lies that were being thrown at them to be torn down and just released my peace, like Jesus says we can do over that house. And so in the morning, we started talking about it, and uh, we were able to have some really good conversations. And a couple of the things that came up, was I, I started talking about, well, you know, you really, you've done the practical stuff. I get it. This is what you felt you should do. Fine. But what about faith? And, and his response, number one, was, well, I don't think this has affected my faith. I still love Jesus. And I said, that's not kind of the kind of faith I'm talking about. I'm talking about a targeted faith. And we got into this whole discussion that we just talked about. We got into taking thoughts captive. We got into that building, acting in what you consider the wisdom of God for your life, and that's fine, you know, and doing those practical things is great, but you, and actually Karen said this to me on the phone in the morning, I just stole it and pretended I came up with it, that 
the wisdom of God includes, you can do all that practical stuff, but the wisdom of God includes building your faith, building your spiritual foundation. And we had that discussion. It was good. And what I saw over the next few days was, he, and he even told me, you know, he was there in bed that next night and the thoughts would start to come. Just like all of us have experienced. Well, what if she gets it? What if her mom gets it? What if I killed her mom? What if, you know, and, and he stopped it. And he started thinking about the word. You know, he did it, which was awesome. He's my big brother. He doesn't always listen to me. And, uh, and, but he did it. I saw the difference in his conversation. He'd be on the phone. Well, we had this happen. And it, but you know what? He'd stop and he'd say, but you know what? God is good. And we're, you know, the fact is no one of all the people that were there, no one got infected from that time. And a lot of them were real close to Don the whole time. Nobody got it. I'm not taking, you know, I, I suspect, I hope my prayers were a part of that. I'm not taking credit for it. The bottom line is nobody got it. Okay. But the thoughts were there and the thoughts came on the back of an event that they didn't expect into their life that could have, if they'd have taken hold of that, I don't know, I don't know what would have happened. But does this make sense to you? The practical thing happens, the, the genuine thing happens, but it's the thoughts that are, I'll finish with this. The flaming arrows, the thoughts the devil sends, are way more dangerous than whatever the event was or whatever the news report was. For us in our lives, we're going to be out there lifting people up, ministering to people, bringing healing to people. You've got to deal with those thoughts. All right? Active faith. All right. I'm, I'm done. Let's, let's just pray. Why don't you stand up with me and let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Father, I, I'm just so grateful today, Lord, for your, first of all, for your intentions toward us, for the fact that you redeemed us, for the fact that you sent your son to die for us so that we could have this incredible relationship with you and we could be redeemed people and live with you and, and in your, we, we can find your purpose for our life and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can actively release and carry the presence of God into the world and all of that. It's so good. And I thank you so much that you bring your words specifically to us, that you build specific revelations into our hearts that become that shield and also that access into your grace. So thankful that you do that and we trust you with that. And no, we don't think that just blanket because we're Christians, we won't walk through any bad times. We don't think that. But Lord, we know that you have a solution. You have grace for every one of them. And so Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would all continue to walk in that. We'd be purposeful about digging down to that, building our foundation in the right place. And the Holy Spirit, thank you so much for walking in it and through every bit of it with us and, and building us and strengthening us and equipping us. We are so grateful and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be dismissed. I know there's some snacks out there. Hope everybody will hang around and spend some fellowship time together. And we will be dismissed. And we'll say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Okay. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. 
We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.